Radical, episode 195. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Shane Hazel. Thank you guys for being here. Tons is, I mean, just literally tons of things are going on right now. I don't think I'm going to have the time to cover everything I want to cover. Uh, I want to cover everything from uh, what's going on in uh, Ukraine right now. I want to cover what's going on in America. I want to cover what's going on in Canada. I want to cover what's going on with all of it with Bitcoin and kind of draw some um, some understandings for you guys. But uh, first, if you love the show, you can go out to Apple Podcasts and you can leave me a review there. Uh, if you would like to become a Patreon you, or a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash radical pod and become a patron um and i'll tell you what if you want to help um pay for the entrance fees for the um for the governor's race here which we got about a week and a half left uh to raise funds for that uh you can go to cash app and it's the um slash dollar sign chain hazel and you can find all of these things in terms of um you know format and everything else on social media whether it's twitter uh or facebook you can find uh those uh, those links there but i appreciate it all uh thank you guys very much anyway um a lot of going on in the world and to kind of draw the ties behind what i think is going on today is really is my objective um so much in terms of you know the Ukrainian conflict, uh, President Biden and, and what's going on over there. Uh, this is this is nothing short of you know a wag the dog situation. There is absolutely no reason, and I've said it, and I will stay on this. There is absolutely no reason whatsoever that the U.S. should be there. And I'm I got to tell you, you guys, like I listen to a lot of people in spaces while I'm doing you know work here in the background in the office and in the studio. Uh, just to kind of feel where different parts of society are at. And it's the strangest thing right now. Like you've got a lot of people who are progressives who are absolutely hawks on what we should be doing for Ukraine. You know, this this moral imperative that we are supposed to have to be sending people into Ukraine to help defend Ukraine right now. And it is absolutely the most asinine thing I've ever heard. Most of these people, and I, I, would, I would probably suggest it is well over 99.9% of them have zero military experience. And then there are those that do it. And it's kind of funny is like, you, you know, you see both the progressive um, hawks on both sides you know, that's the thing is, you know, welcome to radical. If you think that I'm going to sit here uh, and draw delineations between Republicans and Democrats, I'm really not going to. I'm going to show you guys that they are all hawks. They are all extremely progressive and that they all want to take us from a peace footing in Europe to a war footing. Um, it's not for the reasons they say it is, but it is the reasons that they're being told through propaganda. And obviously, uh, the, the people who are out there that are absolutely, um, pushing this narrative to remove any type of scrutiny over COVID what's going on with it. The fact that, you know, we've got, you know, breaking news that there is a, you know, a, a piece of the, the, a piece of Omicron, that is, you know, that uh, I guess one of the big pharmaceuticals had a patent on in terms of its spreadability between people like their narrative is absolutely fucking falling apart. And sorry, I didn't warn you. Um, obviously, you figured it out by now. This is an explicit show. So if you got younger ears or if you don't want to hear it, 
um, you know, I'm, I'm going to swear in these type of shows, uh, especially when it's concerned sending, you know, our kids, our mothers, our fathers, our sons, our daughters, our cousins, you know, our loved ones off to Ukraine, off to Europe. This is what pisses me off. There's a lot that pisses me off about all of this. But in, in everyday life until about 2020 and even maybe after it, but not so much because it was just wall-to-wall propaganda, COVID, everything. We are, we are ridiculed by Europeans. We are ridiculed by people in Australia. We are ridiculed by people in New Zealand. We are ridiculed by, quote, first world nations and their people all over the planet. Now, is it probably mostly the elite? It probably is. Is it, you know, the, the, the propagandists? Is it the governments? Is it the ivory tower, uh, you know, college professor uh, legions that are out there? It is. It's those people, I think, most of the time. Now, I will say, you know, I've had my run-ins with a, a whole bunch of people as I've traveled the entire world that, you know, will, you know, disparage me for being an American and, and our our rights to keep and bear arms, right? The, the Second Amendment. It's all well and good until now. See, America is a gun culture. We, first and foremost, we don't trust, and I think that is probably the reason why we have uh, not gone the route of Australia. We have not gone the route of Canada or Germany. It is the reason why the the, the powers that be in America have really been powerless to force most people into their COVID passes, into the, you know their, their state of being in terms of these lockdown areas like New York, parts of California, um, and other liberal bastions that you know we have not done so. It's because people, there's, there's no political will for it. First and foremost, people are armed to the teeth here and they're not going to be able to push it. Why is this relevant? Well, it's relevant when Europe wants us to come fight their fucking battles. You know, that's the thing is a long time ago, you know, my grandparents' generation, uh, the, the people that were born in the teens and early 20s, uh, man, they, we sent hundreds of thousands of men off to die. And, you know, I know it wasn't 100,000 uh, Americans that died in that war, but I'm going to tell you the fact that we lost, I think it's somewhere in the, um, the 70,000 range. And this is just off the top of my head from history. Um, we, we've been there and we've done it. And the ingrateful Europeans, and I'm not talking about all of them, but the ones that will sit there and deride us, you know, our culture, the, our, our wanting to protect ourselves, our life, liberty, and our property, the fact that we don't trust governments because what have we said? I mean, I've been having this fight with people forever. We don't trust government because we know what they are capable of. We see history as plain as it is, and we understand what they will do for power. And as their power erodes, whether it's because of fiat currency and their spending, or the fact that they have been found out over and over and over again for uh, perpetuating war to, again, 
sustain their power because their fiat currency is built on absolutely nothing. We have seen through what the government is, who they are. They're monsters. They're thieves. They are the bankers. They are the elite politicians. And they are the elite corporations that gift money to these quote-unquote lawmakers and bureaucrats to make sure that they don't have competition and to make sure that their industries are flush with cash. We see their MOs and we understand that they will slaughter people. They will arrest peaceful people. They will criminalize peaceful people. They will go after the bank accounts of peaceful people. That's all we've ever said that they will do. And all the time, all the time that I've ever been, you know, in, in these spaces and these arguments and these debates from liberals is no modern government, no modern first world country would ever do such a thing. Man, I hate being right. I hate being right about all this shit. But here's the thing is we were right. You guys in Australia gave up your guns. The, Can- the Canadians gave up their guns. Look what they're doing to the populations. There's literally camps. They are literally shut, shutting down people's bank accounts. They are charging people with terrorism. This is what government is, no matter where it is, in first world, quote unquote, democracies. I hope after this, people start repealing and relooking at things around the world because we will get through this eventually. You know, when, when enough time has gone by and enough pain has been had and enough lives have been spent and enough blood has been put in the soil, we'll get through this. But for anybody to sit there and tell us we have a moral obligation to go over and spend the lives of American men and women on Ukrainian soil is either dumb as fuck or has bad intentions. I can't make that any fucking clearer. Absolutely not. There's an article out of antiwar.com. Scott Horton uh, and, and crew over there do an amazing job. This is by Dave DeCamp. It was written on February 22nd. President Biden orders more U.S. troops to the Baltics. U.S. forces that are already deployed elsewhere in Europe will go to Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. On Tuesday, President Biden ordered the deployment of U.S. forces that are already in Europe to the Baltic states. A move, he said, was a response to Russia's decision to keep troops in Belarus after drills concluded. Quote, today, in response to Russia's admission that it will not withdraw its forces from Belarus, I have authorized additional movements of U.S. forces and equipment already stationed in in Europe to strengthen our Baltic allies, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Biden said, end quote. According to Military Times, the forces being sent to the Baltic states include 800 soldiers from an Italy-based infantry battalion, up to eight German-based F-35 fighter jets, and a German-based attacked aviation battalion with 20 Apache helicopters. The U.S. is also moving 12 Apaches from Greece to Poland. Biden framed the deployment as a, quote, defensive 
in nature and insisted that the U.S., quote, had no intention of fighting Russia, end quote. He also announced fresh sanctions on Russia in response to Russian President Vladimir Putin's move to formally recognize the breakaway republics of Donetsk and Luhansk and in, in Donbass. The U.S. and NATO have been working to build up forces in what they call the Alliance Eastern Flank, which includes the Baltic States, Poland, Romania, and Bulgaria. Last week, NATO defense ministers agreed to work on plans for new battle group deployments in Eastern Europe. Germany said Tuesday that it is ready to deploy more troops to Lithuania and other Eastern flank countries after Putin, after Putin's Donbass recognition. Basically, Putin came out and he recognized some separatists, right? Um, and he just said, hey, you know, basically I recognize these people and we want freedom for them. Um, that is a lot of what the media is running with and making a huge, huge deal out of. Uh, right now, I think Biden is being, you know, made a fool of by Putin. I think Putin is making a fool out of all of the alphabet soup agencies, not only in America, but around the world. Like they keep, you know, he keeps moving. He keeps, you know, pushing around. I'm not, listen, I don't think Putin's a good guy. I just think in terms of a military mind, and understanding the MO of what's going on around the world, he is making these people look like fucking idiots. And they are. They, th- they are idiots to think that this is something that the American people and Europeans and Canadians and, and the rest of the, you know, the, what they'll call the five eyes, the people in those countries are war weary. There's no political will for war right now. People are done. And because of the collapsing narrative with COVID-19 here in the United States um, and Canada and around the world, you know, they're, they're trying to do some things to take our eyes off of that collapsing narrative. And that's, that's the part that really, 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 really pisses me off is because you were so wrong. And because you put all of your eggs in one basket and you said, this is what has to happen for us to be free again, right? Remember, two weeks, just wear a mask, just double mask. The vaccines are coming. When you get the vaccines, we're going back to normal. No, still wear a mask, get your vaccine, and you're going to have to get a second dose of your vaccine. And you're going to have to continue to wear a mask. And you're not going back to normal. And you can still spread the virus. So the lockdowns didn't work. The mask didn't work. The virus, you know, obviously kept spreading regardless of how many vaccines and boosters you got. None of this shit worked. The fact that Fauci kept getting called to the carpet over and over and over and over again and was proven wrong and made to eat his words and absolutely humiliated on a national stage by Rand Paul. The fact that they did fund gain of function, the fact that this escaped a, a level four lab in Wuhan, the fact that there are absolutely patents in part of Omicron that lead back to big pharma. It is, it's falling apart. And here's the thing is like, I was listening to uh, the WHO and the IMF space earlier today. And I was trying to get up on stage to let them to, to talk to them about this kind of stuff because they aren't they're not pushing they're not pulling back from this at all 
they're looking at this as lessons learned about their reaction to a uh, to a a pandemic. And they're talking about money as if it grows on trees. And for them, I think they, they think it does. But as the narrative collapses around them and what's happening for first world I-5 type leaders, they've got to they've take their eyes and push them somewhere else. They have got to have them talk about other things. And what else? More fear. It's like, this is, and this is the thing with, torture this is the this is what happens when people are inducing trauma uh, on populations this is the psychological operations this is what they call mass psychosis they give you a little bit of air and then they come back with something just as bad if not worse to talk about I mean we're, we're literally we're, we're back into the situation of you know the night the, the 1980s Cold War shit we're talking about World War three with a nuclear power. It's unbelievable that this is the, the, as far as they've gone so far and taking your eyes and pushing them to something else. Why is all of this happening? We know part of it, right? We know part of it is because the narrative is falling apart for COVID. The other thing that's going on that nobody likes talking about, the people at the IMF wouldn't talk about it, uh, the people at the WHO wouldn't talk about it, nobody in the administration, the Biden administration wants to talk about it, and you, you're you starting to see this pop up more and more and more, and it revolves around Bitcoin. You're starting to see the banks pop into the news. I don't care if it's the, the Bank of Russia, I don't care if it's uh, Ukrainian-based banks. I don't care if it's the Federal Reserve. I don't care if it's Canadian banks. I don't care if it's in Australia. Parts of the world are moving to hard currency in the form of Bitcoin over and over, over and over. Uh, good article out of um, uh, Bitcoin Magazine. Dot com. This is uh, by our buddy uh, Nasimos again. He is, I'll tell you what, he's a very prolific writer. Um, writes some really good short um, pieces out there. But uh, there's a there's there's legalization in um, in Ukraine of Bitcoin. Uh, this uh, this is called Ukraine legalizes Bitcoin. The country's parliament backed in a final reading an updated bill to legalize Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is now legal. In Ukraine, as its parliament approval in final reading a bill that caters to the president's recommendations. However, the country has not made Bitcoin a legal tender. So, obviously, legal but not legal tender yet doesn't mean that the government is dealing in Bitcoin. "Quote: The new law is an additional opportunity for businesses for business development in our country. Foreign." and Ukrainian crypto companies will be able to operate legally and Ukrainians will have convenient and secure access to global markets of virtual assets. Ukrainian Minister of Digital Transformation said in his statement, and his name is Fedorov, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his first name. The parliament passed the new law of Ukraine on virtual assets on Thursday with more than 270 votes according to an official statement. The bill details requirements that Bitcoin service providers, such as exchanges, should abide by and determine fines for violations of the law's provisions, in addition to determining that the country's National Securities Commission regulate the cryptocurrency market. Now, is all that a good thing? No, it's not. But it is 
a step in the right direction, right? It's a step in the adoption of Bitcoin and making a space for it in Ukraine. Ukrainian Security Commission will be tasked with issuing permits to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency services providers and carrying out supervision and financial monitoring of the market, the statement said. Ukraine had introduced a similar cryptocurrency bill in September, but President Zelensky vetoed it in the following month, arguing that the country couldn't afford to create a new regulatory body specifically for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Zelensky then returned the bill to Ukrainian parliament along with his suggestion to let existing regulators oversee the uh, to, to oversee the sector. Now parliament has incorporated his recommendation and passed the amended bill. So this is you know this is a first step for for Ukraine. What does that mean? What is and here's the thing is Russia has also done the same thing. Another um, another article by uh, Nasimos on February 21st, Russia's Ministry of Finance submits Bitcoin bill proposal. The draft bill comes after government gave a green light to Bitcoin regulation regarding the Bank of Russia's concerns. We'll get into this one in a second. But what is happening right now? These states that are looking at being sanctioned by places like America or the Five Eyes, Australia, the UK, um, Israel, and uh, what did I already say Australia, New Zealand, like these countries that will impose sanctions on places in the world that the Federal Reserve doesn't like a lot of times because they're either not using our currency, they're not part of our banking system, um, we are not trading dollars in their countries for things like energy, you know, the petrodollar and those things. They become unsanctionable. Why is that? If you look at what's going on around the world right now in terms of the way Bitcoin, Bitcoin has propagated itself, Bitcoin has, is uniquely positioned to be a peer-to-peer system. That means no third party can be a part of any transaction. It is one person to another person or one entity to another entity without anybody being able to stop that trade. That is why Bitcoin is so damn powerful. It's because nobody can stop it. Just because they've shut down some of the exchanges or blacklisted some of the um, you know, Bitcoin addresses in Canada, it doesn't mean that those addresses or wallets, basically, can't trade amongst each other. All that Bitcoin that was sent to Canada for the truckers, that's just going to get moved. Can they trace where it goes? They can, you know, as time goes on, you know, the, the problem is, is they can't confiscate it. If they don't have the keys to those wallets, then they can't confiscate it. There has to be a key of, of transaction. There has to be a key of transfer and there has to be a key of receiving. If you don't have all those things in place, it doesn't go into the blockchain. And that verified piece of the blockchain is pushed to every node, every 10 minutes and to to erase it, you would have to get into every node in the blockchain and erase it. That is what the power of Bitcoin is. And that is why places that are being 
pushed around or have been pushed around by the United States and the Five Eyes and the Federal Reserve, the IMF and the World Bank and fucking evil, evil, evil places like that are starting to diversify into Bitcoin because they cannot stop it. Think about that. I mean, for God's sakes, Canada sanctioned its own people. Its own peaceful people. It sanctioned them. It sanctioned their bank accounts and it tried to go after Bitcoin. And Bitcoin bitch slapped them like the, 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 the tyrants that they are. We little tyrants compared to what the power of this money, this, this exchange, this free exchange of free people. It absolutely is crushing the most powerful entities on earth in terms of the banking sector. And it's beautiful. So in this, uh, this one um, from uh, Nasimos about Russia, Russia's Ministry of Finance has submitted a draft bill on Bitcoin regulation in the country weeks after the government approved the concept of creating legislation specifically for cryptocurrencies. Quote, the use of digital currencies as a means of payment on the territory of the Russian Federation will continue to be prohibited, the Minister of Finance said in a statement Monday. Under the proposed regulation, digital currencies are considered solely as an investment vehicle. The draft bill comes after an intense dispute between the Bank of Russia and the Ministry of Finance, which hold opposing views regarding the optimal future of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency regulation in the country. While the minister has strived to accommodate the, the versioning technology into a legal framework, the central bank has called once again for a complete ban on the trading and mining of Bitcoin. You see it plain as day. You can see it plain as day in terms of what and where people are. The banks, the central banks that have done the central planning all of this time, they're threatened. That's what's happening around the world. I've been saying it, I don't know, probably since 2019 minimum. It's melting down. The global economy based in fiat is melting down. And Bitcoin is the reason why. It's it's part of, it's just part of Austrian you know, history. It's part of Austrian monetary theory. Bad money will always chase good money. So the more that these, these fiat centralized banks, the more that they print, the more that they digitize, the more that they inflate fiat currency, that fiat currency and its liquid nature is going to chase hard money. Bitcoin's the hardest goddamn money on the planet. There is a cap. There is 21 million forever. It is saleable, which means over time, it won't be worth less. It'll be worth more. Not even gold can boast that. It is, it is more transferable over space, which means it's saleable over space. You can push Bitcoin to any corner of the world right now in real time through the lightning network and have remittance done now. And it will go from whatever denomination you want into any other denomination you want through Bitcoin. 
scales. It is scalable. There are 21 million Bitcoin, but each Bitcoin is made up of 100 million Satoshis. So this is the the requirement for money. And people are always like, man, you know, what backs up Bitcoin? That's the thing is, most money is bullshit. And that's why it has to be backed up by something. Bitcoin is not. And it doesn't need to be backed up because the principles that are built into the code of Bitcoin that are decentralized over every node on earth on an open ledger don't need to be backed up by anything. They are as hard as hard comes in terms of money and that does not need to be backed up. This is all unfolding before our eyes. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, are you are we watching what's going on around the world? I think that what they did in in Canada in terms of issuing a state of emergency was some of the dumbest shit I've ever seen. I mean, absolutely some of the most draconian bullshit we've ever seen. The fact that we're pushing men and women from the US service over to Ukraine when Canada has been acting like a, a, a damn despotic state makes no sense. Unless you're looking at this through the framework of finances. It's incredible to me. Just days after President or uh, Premier uh, Trudeau came out and said, hey, we're going into a state of emergency. We're locking down banks. And they wanted to extend the financial powers to sanction people in that country, peaceful people in that country indefinitely. We had just a little while ago today, a breakthrough in Canada. Have a listen. And today, after careful consideration, we're ready to confirm that the situation is no longer an emergency. Therefore, the federal government will be ending the use of the Emergencies Act. We are confident that existing laws and bylaws are now sufficient to keep people safe. And today, after careful consideration, we're ready to confirm that the situation is no longer an emergency. Therefore, the federal government... Amazing, right? All of a sudden, it's no longer an emergency. It's incredible to me that all those peaceful people in, in Canada where there was absolutely no violence in any of what was going on with the truckers would declare it a state of emergency, take over banks, freeze bank accounts, basically issue a social credit score, and then come out just a few days later. And I, I mean, they're, boy, I mean, speculation on how many different reasons why this is happening. I have, I have no idea. Was it a test run? Maybe. Was it met with such irie from the public that he couldn't go on with it? Possibly. Because here's the thing is, when you know, you're looking through this and paying attention to it and you see what was happening with the truckers while they were there, people in those neighborhoods 
could still move freely. When they locked down for a state of emergency, cops were going through the streets harassing absolutely everyone. So what was worse? For the people in Ottawa, the lockdown, the state of emergency was worse than the truckers. It was worse than the protests that were completely peaceful. And I'm telling you right now, man, if you looked at some of the videos of these cops in Canada being absolute fucking thugs, I'm telling you right now, man, this has got to stop. These these men who absolutely go after with haymakers and knees and batons and horses, man, I am I am telling you right now, like, the patience of good, peaceful people is wearing extremely thin. You guys need to figure this shit out. And I, I mean, I think I've, I think you figured it out. I think a lot of you have figured it out that you are going to side on the side of the state. I'm going to tell you right now. You've been warned. This is fucking insanity that you would ever fight for these monsters that you would carry out acts of violence on peaceful people, especially with the ferocity and viciousness that I have seen in Canada over the past week. Unbelievable to me. But I don't know. This is where tyrants are. Here's the the last piece that I I definitely wanted to get through in this program. Um, What... What's going on here in the United States? Uh, this is from the Epic Times, and um, it is uh, from uh, Catabella Roberts. February 23rd, Pentagon approves deployment of National Guard troops for D.C. trucker convoy protest. Hundreds of National Guard troops will be deployed in Washington to help police deal with traffic issues related to the trucker convoy protest against pandemic restrictions that are set to start this week. Officials have said Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin Goober approved the deployment, which had been requested by the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department and MPD and the U.S. Capitol Police. Pentagon officials said our MPD and USCP partners have asked for our help in ensuring people can demonstrate peacefully and safety safely, and we stand ready to assist. Major General Sherry McCandless, D.C. National Guard Commanding General, said in a statement to the news outlets, the people who live, work, and visit the district part of our community and their safety is our first mission priority. The approval will will enable around 400 D.C. National Guard members to provide support at designated traffic posts provide command and control and cover sustainment requirements, the National Guard said in a statement. The troops deployed to the area won't be armed and won't help with law enforcement or carry out domestic surveillance activities. No aircraft has been approved for use. Austin also approved the USCP's request for assistance for up to 300 National Guard troops from outside of Washington to help at certain traffic posts and capital entry points, Breitbart reported. That will begin on February 26th, according to Breitbart, which has noted that 50 large tactical vehicles will also be placed at designated traffic posts on a 24-hour basis in the area. 
A Pentagon spokesman didn't respond by press time to requests by the Epic Times for comment. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby told news outlets in a statement on February 22nd that the department was analyzing requests for assistance from the U.S. Capitol Police and the D.C. Homeland Security Emergency Management Agency. Quote, these agencies have asked the National Guard personnel to provide support at traffic control points in and around the district to help that the USCP and D.C. government address potential challenges stemming from the possible disruptions at key traffic arteries. No decisions have been made yet to approve these requests, he added. USCP stated recently it was planning extra extra security in the nation's capital ahead of President Joe Biden's State of the Union address on March 1st, which looks set to coincide with the trucker convoy protest. Multiple convoys are planning to descend on Washington in protest of COVID-19 vaccine mandates, among other issues and policies of the Biden administration. Similar demonstrations have been held in Canada in recent weeks, prompting Prime Minister Trudeau to invoke the Emergencies Act for the first time in Canada's history, using it to freeze the bank accounts of protesters and their supporters. Um, I think I'm going to leave it at that in terms of this article. But um, yeah, so we've got... We've got the makings of a emergency situation as peaceful truckers go into DC to protest. Now, I don't know how this is going to go. I'm going to tell you right now, like I, this is going to be, I, I think this is going to be another January 6th moment. I think this is going to be one of those things where, you know, they want to sensationalize this. They want to talk about how all these truckers that are coming in, which will, I guarantee you, be from all cultures, all walks of life, all skin tones, you name it. They are going to demonize these men and women 24-7 until it's over. And, you know, here's the thing is, could it be, could there be a false flag event? Yes. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot surrounding this. Do they have every right to go there? Yeah, they should. Um, they can go and protest wherever the hell they want to protest. Do they think they're going to lock down um, DC? I I don't know. Um, it depends on how many show up. I really I don't know. I don't. I'll I'll be happy if it does. I'll tell you right now. Like I'm all about dissolving DC. I'm all about secession. I am all about these these murderers and thieves being out of our lives forever. Um. Does this put some things in contention as their narratives are falling apart anyway? Yeah, it does. Um, and the fact that they're saying that the, you know, these people that are coming up there from the National Guard um, aren't going to be armed. Well, that's probably a good start. Really, really good start. And I'll tell you right now, the governors that are allowing D.C. to call up their guard to to come in there and secure DC, I think is a mistake. And I can tell you right now, as I'm running for governor in Georgia, that will never fucking happen. We're never sending our, our men and women who are in the Georgia national guard to defend DC. DC, whatever it gets has had it's has had it coming for a very, very, very long time. The best thing that we could hope for is the, the adoption of Bitcoin Bitcoin, you know, adoption across the board, Bitcoinization, and the the more that these people print, 
the more that they inflate, the more that they absolutely destroy our lives, the, the less relevant they become. They go out with a puff instead of a roar. They're all paper tigers. But we've got some interesting stuff going on. There is a ton to pay attention to right now. And the beautiful thing is it seems like people around the world are rising up together peacefully and calling these tyrants, these despots, these bureaucrats to the carpet. And it doesn't look like it's going to get better for them. They are being met with all the ill will people can muster while staying peaceful. And it is absolutely one of the most beautiful things I have ever seen, especially while they're looking at their finances, maybe for the first time and seeing exactly what's in store. Get ready. I'm telling you right now, I'm not telling you you have to get into Bitcoin. I'm telling you, get your money out of fiat safely. You need to learn just like you learned liberty. Nobody, nobody forced liberty down your throat. It was one of those things that you poured your time and effort into understanding, whether it was Austrian economics, whether it was the anti-federalist, whether it was the things like John Taylor Gatto that I talk about in terms of getting your kids out of the goddamn school systems. These are stuff, these are things that you've had to go out and learn and pour your time and attention into. It's no different with Bitcoin. If you want to be independent, you're going to have to earn it, and earning it comes with education. You're never going to have the stomach for this kind of stuff if you don't educate yourself. Relying on others and our sentiments is not the way to go. Go out and do your homework. Start listening. Start reading. Do whatever you can to improve your knowledge set because that is real power. And with real power comes the understanding of real freedom. That's going to do it for this episode. Ladies and gents, thank you guys for being here. Go out there, like, subscribe, hit all the bells and whistles. Until next time, I will see you then. I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.